Let's talk about Riverside.fm, the leading podcast and video creation platform that's changing the game on how creators record content. Riverside.fm allows you to record studio quality audio and up to 4K video on their platform. Now you can interview a guest a thousand miles away and it'll sound like you're sitting in the same room. It's as easy to use as Zoom, but gives much higher quality audio and video recordings. Did we mention that they have a mobile app? This allows guests to connect directly from their phone and record content from anywhere. After your content is finished, you can easily grab clips to share them across your social media channels. So if you're looking for a hero platform for all your recording needs, from podcasts to webinars to other video content, you should be using Riverside FM. Sign up today so you can focus on your content and leave the quality to Riverside FM. Use promo code SHIPIT and receive a 30% discount on your first three months of your subscription. That's promo code SHIPIT to receive a 30% discount on the first three months of your subscription. Back to the show. Welcome to another episode here of the Talking Blues podcast. I'm Josh and I'm joined by my two co-hosts, Peter and Alex. We have a very exciting episode as we now are going to be talking about our all-decade team. Kind of talked about this a little bit last week. Previewed, uh, Ed gave, gave everyone a little glimpse into what the formation was going to be. We kind of changed it up. It's going to be a 3-4-1-2, something you don't really see for Chelsea in a lineup. But in order to make an all-decade team, that's what we decided to go with. Or that's what they decided to go with. I'll be, you know, hosting the thing, bouncing it out to them. Um, Chelsea got a win. Another one against Newcastle United. Kind of expected, but Thomas Tuchel putting Keppa in net. Didn't really know what was going to happen. Keppa had a clean sheet and a nice save in that game. So it all went well. We had Timo Werner, uh, you know, finally showing what he's capable of with, with basically a nice assist to an Olivier Giroud goal with a nice cross in um, that he was looking for Mason Mount, but it, we were able to get it. And then the tap in for him as well. A little bit difficult as he was leaning back, uh, you know, for that goal too. Nothing really much I have to get to on that game. I mean, Chelsea controlled possession like they normally do. It was a very, uh, you know, high shots game, 18 to, to 10 in shots and five to three in shots on goal. So both teams were able to get it. Uh, you know, get some shots on goal. But the big thing here is that with this win, Chelsea solidifies himself back in the top four and in a UEFA Champions League spot for next season. And, I mean, we know about the UEFA Champions League games right now. I guess I'll go to that real quick, and then you guys can recap the game. We obviously have the Liverpool-Leipzig game that ended in a 2-0 win for Liverpool. We had the PSG against Barcelona that ended in a 4-1 win for PSG. And Bappe with the hat trick. And this episode is going to be put out tomorrow, so we have no idea... Obviously, you listeners know how these games went. We do not. But today, there's going to be Sevilla-Dortmund and then also Porto-Juventus. So you'll know by the time you're listening. We do not know by the time. So just wanted to give you an update on the Champions League stuff there. But uh, send it back to, let's go with Peter to start it out. You know, your thoughts on this game, uh, Newcastle United versus Chelsea. I do want to say one thing first, just about PSG-Barca. Very sad because just want to say this because I found it out yesterday that we actually once had Kylian Mbappe come to Chelsea on a trial 
and we didn't actually sign him because he didn't offer enough defensively. So uh, just wanted to say that. That's terrible, but moving on. Hey, it worked out anyway. Uh, so in the game, I mean, Werner played well. I mean, th- I can't say he played well for the first time in a while because he's been playing well, but he finally got the goal that he's been searching for for a while. He should have had two or three, to be honest. He missed some chances, but that was before he got the goal. It was an easy tap-in. You could see how much it meant to him. He was smiling. He was happy, and he looked. He, he, I think it just, he felt so good. I think, I think he's finally going to get back into his perfect form. Obviously he's been getting, you can see him getting each game, getting a bit closer, a bit closer, a bit closer. And now I feel like he's, I wouldn't say he's all the way there, but he's almost there. But to me, even though he played super well, he's not, he wasn't even the best player on the field. I think Mateo Kovacic had another masterclass again. He played so well. He made so many great passes, dribbled well, kept the ball well. I mean, he just did everything you want from some one of your holding midfielders. He won the ball back a couple of times and then went forward. Should have had two or three assists. I mean, he just played extremely well. And I mean, he's showing. I mean, you could always see, like, you could always see he had the occasional good game under Frank. You could see why he was, he was, we paid out. I mean, we played a good amount for him from Real Madrid. But I mean, he's playing really, really well. But if he can just work on his shot, I think, I think I've said this in an episode before, a few episodes ago, or maybe longer. But if he gets a good shot, like if he can actually shoot and he can actually score instead of skying everything into like that 15th row, then he will be one of the best midfielders in the league. But I mean, he's showing why he deserves to start every game and why he's a key player in this lineup because he's just playing really well. Um, the only one other thing I want to point out, or two, actually two other things. Callum hudson Ador once again, Small thing, showing why he's really he deserves to be a starter every single game. We played wing back this time. Besides Werner, I'd say he was the most threatening going forward. I mean, but is that even unexpected anymore? Probably not, because he's been playing so well. He's really in form. And then I do want to also say, Keppa, I was very nervous going into this game. I was not nervous at all going into the game beforehand. But when I saw Keppa starting, I got kind of scared. But he played well, didn't do any, he made a couple, he missed a couple passes, but I feel like he probably had some nerves from starting for the first time in a while against the Premier, in a Premier League game. So that's excusable. And I mean, made some saves, played well. As a whole, we played really well. We didn't really, I'd like to see us one time, we haven't ever really crushed a team. Like this, in, in this game, we easily could have won four, five, five now. And but we it was only two. We just need to be more convincing. I think that's something Tuchel said after the game. Just need to finish our chances off. Be have more conviction in the final third. But overall, great game. Timo Werner finally got his goal. Let's go. Hopefully, he gets his confidence back and he's back to top form. Yeah, I agree with you, Peter. And going back to that point about you know really racking up the score and really trying to beat our opponents well, I feel like. In terms of Tuchel, he seems like once we go a goal up, we seem a bit stagnant, almost like a Jose Mourinho team where you see at Spurs where they, you know, get a little bit, um, they sit back quite a bit. Obviously not to that extreme, but I feel like Tuchel, he often feels that once we have that lead that we can hold on to it defensively. And, you know, instead of sitting back and giving our, uh, you know, the possession to our opponent, we usually just kind of sit back and play stagnantly. Um, you know, side to side, and it just, it's not as good, so I'd like to see some more energy, um, even when we're up, to try to expand that lead, because you never know, 
you know, for example, with Newcastle, you never know when they bring Andy Carroll on and he, he scores a header and it's 1-1 or it's 2-2, he scores a couple headers, who knows? So I, I think we really need to put these games beyond doubt. But like Peter mentioned, lots of good players today. Um, Werner did well. Kovacic did really well. I'm going to give him the man of the match because he was just insane. Besides his finishing, like Peter mentioned, he does need to work on that. Um, I, he, he hasn't scored a goal in over a year, I believe. I heard somewhere someone was, I think one of the commentators was saying that. But yeah, he improves his finishing. His his burst of pace, his acceleration, he may not be the quickest player, but for sure when he bursts through and he can definitely make a man miss and get past the defender. And I think he does a really good job transitioning from defense to attack. So he's my man of the match. Thought he played really well. Shout out to Timo Werner as well. Goal and assist. Um, and I, I liked what I saw from him. I'm going to switch it up between the two of you so I don't have to go um, every time with Kovacic for the three of us. I'm going to have Timo Werner as my man of the match. Just just to switch it up, obviously Kovacic was, but for me, I'll just have Werner um, there. Give him some credit. And just before we go to the All-Decade team, I do want to continue with this you know, Chelsea weekly recap and stuff like that. So the Chelsea woman, they beat the Bristol woman 5-0. Fran Kirby had two goals, and now the Chelsea woman... Um, If they didn't sit comfortably in first last time I talked about them, they do now, uh, which they already did, but now they even have more of a cushion. They're first in the Women's Super League with 38 points behind them as Man City Women, and they have 33 points. And the Chelsea Academy, or the Chelsea Premier League 2 squad, uh, they lost to Derby County uh, same day as Chelsea faced Newcastle United. Uh, That was a 2-1 win for Derby Derby County. Uh, and now the Chelsea Premier League 2 squad sit in 5th with 23 points, actually tied with Derby County uh, in in points. And Chelsea Premier League 2 squad will face Liverpool's academy on Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, so that's 7 p.m. UK time. Let's move now, or that was your Chelsea recap, and now we'll move into our all-decade lineup. That would mean 2010 to 2020. Um, only players from that time span, not the whole 2000s, just this past decade for anyone who didn't know, but I'm guessing most listeners did. Let's start out with our goalkeeper in net for both of you is... I mean, is there really a question? Better check? I mean, like, I don't know who else... I mean, there's obviously options, but Courtois could... You could say he'd be there, but no, better check is definitely there. Peter, I'm surprised you missed out on Keppa because I'm going to have him as my goal. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I'm also going to have Petr Cech in um, goal for me. Fantastic career at Chelsea. Um, and, and, you know, it was sad to see him go to Arsenal after, you know, Courtois came in and kind of took his place. But good that he's back um, with Chelsea now, obviously, in more of a management role. But uh, good to see him back. And he was an important player in the 2010s. Um, and I'm just going to go to my first player in my defense. And I'm going to go with a current player. Um, this is definitely going to be surprising to some people, at least. Um, obviously, with this back three, I was thinking who can play where. And I think Aspi, Aspi can play on that right center back role where he's playing right now. And I think he's been a great servant to this club. His career is slowly coming to an end. Obviously, he's losing a bit of a step. Um, but, you know, it's still been great to watch him here. Um, and he's been one of my favorite players. Um, ever since I've started watching Chelsea, he's basically been there throughout my entire time that I've followed them. So for me, uh, I'm going to put Aspie at my right center back. I'll go to my right center back too. And this was really 
This was really, I'd say it was more of a competition between two. I think it's either, you can either have Aspie there, or you can have Ivanovich there. Or, since it is, we're, just for reference, we're doing a 3-4-1-2 formation, so three center backs, wing backs on both sides, two center mids, or holding mids, cam, two strikers. So you could say, you could put them at wing back, but I feel like both of them would be better fit for a right center back. And this was probably one of the toughest calls, but I think, especially now, I want to kind of change it up already, I guess. If Alex is going Aspie, I'll go Ivanovic. Obviously, great, great player. Uh, he did, he, he's been in the, back in the Premier League. This is my second straight person uh, that played for Chelsea and is now back in the Premier League, even though they are old, right? He, I think he's on West Brom's roster, if I'm not mistaken which was surprising to me, but moving on, obviously I'll go to my center center back uh, of the back three. And I mean, John Terry, I mean, I don't think I really need to say more. I mean, yeah, John Terry, if you need an explanation, you shouldn't need one. (laughs) Yeah. I have John Terry there as well. You know, what a great captain for us over the years, obviously retired. What, um, in that final title season, oh my god, I'm forgetting it already, 2016-17, I believe, right? Um, Josh, maybe get a check on that when he retired for me. Um, but obviously, led Chelsea, you know, Champions League, two titles in the decade. Uh, I mean, just fantastic from him, real leader. Now, obviously, at Aston Villa, um, and he's, what, their assistant manager there. Um, so hopefully he gets a management job soon, um, I guess, uh, you know, Maybe he'll have something similar like Frank Lampard, but I think in a a secondary role for him, I really hope he has success. Obviously, some controversies with him over the years, but obviously a very loyal player to this club. And just before you go on to that final one, um, I guess the only reason I'm here doing this is to break it down. So, you know, Asby with the decision at the right center back for Alex is a good pick, obviously. Um, I mean, going into Ivanovic a little bit, obviously in his final years, he wasn't as good as he was in the early years with Chelsea. But the thing is where you don't really see with like a right back or a right center back in this case is the goal scoring ability. And he was able to score goals at times where we needed goals, which, you know, you wouldn't really see from him. Um, Obviously he had the winner over Napoli, right? In the first, I don't know, it's like back in 2012, like in the Europa League um, as well, had a goal there. So I think that was also a good pick. Um, and then John Terry. I mean, we already we already know. I think if you were going to put someone at the right center back role, or the, the left, I guess, because you're doing the three at the back, I don't know who you're thinking. You don't want to leave Gary Cahill out of this, so maybe I'm going a little bit ahead of myself. I don't know what you guys are going to do there. But we know what happened. I mean, John Terry is most likely the greatest captain, um, you know, for Chelsea ever. And I just... You know, we know we know how good he is, but um, obviously a very good player for Chelsea. Go on to your left center backs. I mean, you did just touch on it. I I am going to, I'll say now, I'm going to put Gary Cahill there as my last center back of the back three. You, I think the only other option for you would be if you wanted to put David Luiz there. But I think Gary Cahill has to be there just because he was um, more of a leader, a club captain after John Terry left. I mean, same kind of, I think you could say David Luiz arguably was more talented or a better defender, could say that, but I think I'm putting him there because of the leadership, moreover, of 
because you could more over his talent because you could say David Luiz was more talented than him. Um, yeah, so for me, this is difficult, right? Gary Cahill, obviously great player for Chelsea. Obviously, right now he is absolutely shocking. I'm not sure if you guys have been watching any Crystal Palace games, but my God, Gary Cahill has fallen off a cliff. But I'm going to try to keep that out of my mind. Um, and I'm going to put him at left center back as well. I was thinking about putting Ivanovic at uh, right center back and then Aspi at left center back and then Terry obviously there to make it like a really attacking formation here. But I'm going to go with the sensible decision. It's hard for me to put Cahill because last times I've watched him, it's just terrible. So it's really hard for me to do this. I'm forgetting about that. We're going, you know, 2019 or 2010-2019. Obviously Cahill, big part of that and the success we've had. Um, And I'm going to have him in my left center back. Um, so very good player there. I guess moving to our wing backs now, right? So on the right-hand side, this is the most natural position for Ivanovic. In his prime, I feel like he would have loved this position under Antonio Conte. Um, obviously, Victor Moses really had that in the title-winning season, but I feel like Ivanovic, if he was uh, you know, a little bit younger at that time, I think would have been a very good player for that position, and I think he would be um, a perfect fit here. So I'm going to put him at right wing back or uh, right mid in this 3-4-1-2. I mean, I agree with you, Alex, that that it would probably be his best position. And if I was going to put Aspi in my lineup, I would put him right center back and then Ivanovic right mid, right wing back, whatever. But I looked at my lineup and I wanted to put some other players here. And I before I say this pick, I do want to say that when we were making these lineups, me and Alex did say you can put wingers at wingbacks, even if it wasn't their ideal position. So here I am putting Willian, even though I don't think he, I think he'd be a terrible fit for right wing back or right mid, because I highly doubt he would track back at all. But I, I in the lineup we obviously don't have really any out and out wingers. It's not like a four three three or something where you would have wingers. So these are only the really spots where you can put a winger. So I think Willian will be there on the right, obviously. I mean, reasons. I mean, the reasons, right? I mean, he was basically for... Well, okay, I'll restart, restart. I mean, he's one... He was part of, I think, two the two of our uh, uh, title-winning seasons. He was part of the Europa League run. I think we won an FA Cup with him. He's been a part of a bunch of things. He's always... I mean, he's definitely played bad at long stretches, but he's also played very good at long stretches. He's definitely, he's, he, he's inconsistent, but when he's at his best, he's a very, very key player to this team. And I think he's better than other options. I think he's very, very talented when he's playing well, but in bad, bad when he's not playing well. Obviously, you can see like that at Arsenal right now. If he's playing bad, he's playing bad. But again, another player that's went to Arsenal after the Chelsea career, I didn't let that think of, uh, like, judge my decision. I think I'm going to say prime Willian, like when Willian's playing at his best, he's definitely in this team. But if he's like Arsenal Willian, where he's playing badly, he would not be in this team. But he's just been a part of so much success. He's very, very talented. He won player of the season a a few times, I think. He's just a talented player. Yeah, that was what I was planning on doing. Also, if I had uh, Ivanovic in the center back role or that right center back role and putting him there. But I don't know. It just didn't seem like the right fit. And I was thinking about the inconsistencies. And just to be honest, there's so many good players that have played for Chelsea over the past 10 years that I feel like 
you know, he just kind of doesn't make the cut. So actually, I'll tell you now, he's he's kind of like my first sub off the bench. He's the number one guy you call off the bench for me. Um, but I'm, I'm not going to have him in my lineup. Just a quick, uh, I guess, heads up there before we move to the attack later. But for my left wing back, I'm going to put Ashley Cole. Um, you know, obviously didn't get to watch a lot of him. Um, obviously, when I was there, I, I started watching Chelsea towards the latter end of his career. Um, so really didn't see him in his exact prime um, or anything like that. But obviously for what he did for this club, amazing things. So I, I'm going to go with him there. You know, just I feel like it would be disrespectful to not have him there. Obviously, again, a little bit of a controversial player, but um, I'm going to have him at left wing back. I mean, like I have him there too. I mean, like realistically, right? I mean, the only other person that's really good fit left wing back. I mean, you could say... Put an attacker there, you could put, let's say, Eden Hazard there, but no. You could put Alonso there, I guess, because he's been a part of, he was a key part of some title winning seasons, but realistically, no. Many people, many, many people say he could be the best left back in Premier League, like in Premier League history. So, oh, how can you not put him in the team? I mean, he's just, he was a key part. Uh, he's, he, I think we, he was in the team when we won the Premier League and the Champions League. So, successful. And just very, very talented. One of the best left backs of, in the history of the Premier League. Yeah, and Ashley Cole, obviously, very good player for Chelsea. And then, you know, spent his later years with Arsenal. So, both of you going with players that have spent time with Chelsea. And also, are, you know, well, William now spending time with Arsenal. Um, you know, going into the stats a little bit, Ashley Cole with 385 appearances, 15 goals and 31 assists, obviously not known for that mainly. It was very good with tackling and things of that nature. Um, and then William going into his stats, um, you know, Peter, you talked about it. He went into a Europa League, um, you know, season with, with Chelsea. In the UEFA Champions League, something I want to mention is that in eight matches in the 2015-2016 season, um, he was able to total five goals. Um, which is pretty impressive, so something I just saw there. And then his actually um, biggest stats-wise season was in the 2019-2020 season, where in 36 matches he had nine goals and seven assists, um, and obviously did some other stuff as well. But he's a two-time player of the year for Chelsea, won it in 15-16, and also in the 17-18 season. Um, he's gotten an English League, English League Cup with Chelsea, two-time English champion in FA Cup and, you know, the Europa League as well. So, William, having him there is also good. And let's see what you have here in your midfield. Midfield is the toughest part of the team by far. There's so, I mean, in our case, we have two holding slash center midfielders and one attacking midfielder. So many, so many options. You could have Claude Makalele play there, Matic, Conte, Lampard, Mata, Fabregas. Way too many options for just three spots. But I think for me, one of the most obvious ones in my case has to be N'Golo Kante. I mean, obviously, he's just... I don't know. There's too many words to describe him. I mean, he's maybe not right now, but this isn't part of the decade anyway. But during throughout the decade, he was probably the best CDM in the world, arguably. Best I'd say without question, the best ball winning midfielder in the decade. He won a uh, player of the year. Um, we, he helped us win the Premier League. 
I mean, he also, we won the Europa League with him. I mean, he just, he's just a generational talent. He's just incredible. I mean, he's great. And next to him, this one was probably the toughest spot for me. I knew I definitely wanted Conte in there, but I didn't know who I wanted next to him. And I think, I think I'm going to have Matic in there. I mean, you could say that's a bit of a surprise. You could, there's definitely other options there. But I just think at Chelsea, he when he was at Chelsea, he was just, again, arguably one of the best center midfielders, center defensive midfielders in the world. I mean, he was a key part he, in pretty much under any manager. He was usually always the holding midfielder, but you could count on him as kind of like a rock to always be there to win the ball. I mean, you could, I... You could, Whoever Alex has, I don't know if he has Matic, but I can definitely see that there's an argument for somebody else to be there. But I think he was just a key part throughout so many years that just like like I said, just kind of like a rock that you could always have in there, that he has to be there. And I guess last part of the midfield, Cam, I think this one's pretty obvious. Frank Lampard. I mean, the only other option for Cam really would be Juan Mata. But like... Really, Juan Mata, I don't know. I mean, he did play really well, but Frank Lampard is just Frank Lampard. I mean, I don't know what else to say. I ho- I tried not to let his stint at manager, though it was somewhat successful, somewhat not successful, with many ups and downs, uh, like make me not want to put him in there. But I mean, even if even if he literally relegated us, I don't. I still think I would have put him in there just because he's probably the club's best ever player. He's just incredible. Alex, I want to, and for Alex's midfield, give a good explanation for who you want uh, as his uh, holding midfielder. I'm assuming you have Conte because I feel like he's the obvious one. If you don't, I want an explanation for that. But definitely there's someone that's next to him because there's pretty much everyone, Lampard and Conte were two pretty obvious ones. And then there's so many, so many options for the last one. So I want to hear what you have there. So I'm going a little bit different, actually. So I am going to have N'Golo Kante. Obviously, what a player for this club. One of my favorite players of all time. When he got here from Leicester, only £30 million for him, which was a crazy deal now. Uh, obviously, him probably worth in the hundreds of millions, um, you know, at his peak. I think he was, you know, fantastic. And for me, kind of going because of how fantastic he is, we saw him with Cesc Fabregas, and he was able to play so de- he was able to hold this midfield defensively just by himself. He has, you know, he covers the ground of two players. So that's why I'm not exactly concerned about having someone super defensive next to him. And in this case, not defensive at all. I'm going to have Frank Lampard right next to him. Um, Frank Lampard's going to be pushing forward, obviously, Chelsea's highest goal scorer ever. Um, and I-, I think he, you know, Conte holds really deep. Frank Lampard gets forward. Yes, it's a little bit attacking, but... You know, hopefully maybe Ivanovic and uh, and Ashley Cole stay a little bit further back. I don't know. But uh, I, I want to fit all the players I want in it. So I'm going to have Frank Lampard in that second center mid role. I'm not going to say holding because he's not going to be holding whatsoever. But, yeah, that that's what I'm doing, Peter. So it's a little bit different. And at Cam, I'm going to put Eden Hazard. Um, I think he fits that role the best. I think right behind my two strikers, I think he'll play really well. Um, he could obviously drift out wide. He kind of has the freedom in this team to kind of do whatever he wants. And obviously probably the greatest, if not one of the greatest um, Chelsea players in this decade and also Premier League players. 
um, of this decade. Really sad to see him struggling at Real Madrid, but um, hopefully he comes back to Chelsea. I know there's been multiple reports that he might or may not. Um, so hopefully we see something with that. And I'd love to see him kind of get back to his prime um, and really see him perform really well again. So Peter, that that's what I'm doing. What are your thoughts on that? I think that may be too attacking, especially if you give Eden Hazard the freedom to drift out wide. But I definitely see, I definitely know what you mean. Conte definitely could hold, uh, definitely make up for Frank Lampard drifting forward. But I, I, I see all those decisions, but I also think, I'll move on to my strikers. I definitely think Eden Hazard should be a striker over a cam, and that's what I have him. I have him as a striker. I mean, this is another one where you don't really need any explanation. I mean, you could definitely argue that he's the most talented player to in this team. I mean, he's just Europa League winner, Premier League winner. I mean, he's basically done everything you could want except for the champion, uh, Champions League winner. I mean, he's basically... He saved us countless, countless times just because of how talented he is. And I mean, there's really no argument on if you didn't have him in the team. I don't know. I want some of what you're smoking, but he's just so talented that he needs to be in there. And next to him, this one is also kind of obvious. He only needs to play one game this decade for me to have put him in here. And that is the 2012 Champions League final. If you've only, if Didier dropped, see this only played one game a single game and it was the champions league final i still i still would have put him in the team just because of he saved us basically obviously scoring the tying goal to send it into extra time and then obviously obviously scoring the winner in the penalty shootout but i mean even if he didn't play in that game you could still have him in the team he just incredible striker very very talented uh won everything you could want to win uh, was basically our threat going forward constantly. Uh, but yeah, basically I want to fix it on that Champions League final because with that game only, I put him in the team just because of how how clutch he is, I guess, for a better word. How clutch he is. Didier Drogba, I mean, just a great player and that game was just amazing. Yeah, so I have Drogba, obviously, as one of my strikers. Like you mentioned, Peter, all the things he did for this club. Obviously, he did a lot before the year 2000 or the 2010s also. So, you know, he would definitely also be in that 2000s team. Uh, but great player there. And my favorite Chelsea player of the decade. Um, I know this is kind of a weird one in the way he kind of fell out with Antonio Conte. But Diego Costa, man, what a player he was for Chelsea. The influence, the, you know, the impact that I felt like he had especially in that title-winning season with Antonio Conte, uh, he was fantastic. He was truly fantastic. I love watching him. He, his fight um, just really always, you know, made me, you know, obviously not like the, the friendliest character on the pitch, but uh, definitely a very talented player and a very underrated player in my book. So he's going to be uh, my final player in the lineup. But uh, yeah, this is a great team. Peter and I have, you know, made some pretty good teams here, um, and I'm happy with how it turned out. I know we're a little late to the party here with the all decade team, um, but obviously the podcast started a little bit past the, you know, when everyone was doing it at the beginning of uh, last year. So we're, we're, we're a little bit late, but I think we've got a good one. Um, and I think are good ones. So I think we've got a, 
uh, hopefully move forward. And maybe some of the players now that are playing right now in our lineups that we're about to do for this upcoming game will be in the uh, 2020s all decade team if we're doing this by <laughs> if we're still doing this by then. 10 years later, we'll uh, we'll have that episode out for you. Don't worry. Set it in your calendars now. I'm running through everything quickly. Frank Lampard, his goals, 177, as Alex already mentioned, Chelsea lead uh, or leader in goals scored and obviously 102 assists as well. Cesc Fabregas um, had his best season in 2016, I would say. Um, he had five goals and 12 assists, but obviously not really known for that. Um, known for his kind of, let's just say he wasn't the uh, cleanest player, uh, you know, on the field. Obviously that season that I'm mentioning, he had eight yellow eight yellow cards um, that year. So, you know, there you go. Take that as you will. Um, and Hazard, and Hazard's grown some weight, man. Uh, <laughs> I know it's a little, little bit of a joke, a little bit of a jab at him, but you know, I don't know if I want him really back at Chelsea as much as, uh, you know, you do, Alex. But anyway, his best season, I mean, there's a few to pick, but probably the 2018-19 where he played in 37 matches, 16 goals, 15 assists. Um, obviously, it was great on and off the ball. Um, and then had a total of 85 goals in the Premier League. And let's see, 54 assists. Then going on to um, uh, Drogba, I would say. I'll go with next. Let's see. 104 goals and 54 assists. And then finally, Diego Costa probably had his best year with Chelsea when he scored 20 goals on two occasions, actually, in the 2014-15 season and the 2016-2017 season. But then in that 2016-2017 season, he had seven assists. Still a game to cover, so let's go to it right now. It's going to be Chelsea versus Southampton, 7.30 a.m. Another early morning start that we're going to have to wake up for. Eastern Standard Time on Saturday. Um, so that'll be 12.30 for all you viewers in the UK. Chelsea's in fourth at 42 points. They're tied with West Ham in points, but uh, lead to the goal differential. While Southampton sits in 13th with 29 points, tied with Crystal Palace, but up on the goal differential there. Um, for this game, I was looking for stuff to mention, but I mean, something good for Chelsea is that Southampton has lost their last five home league games against Chelsea, their longest losing run against a specific opponent in, in league history. And that's about it. That's all that I really found um, while, while doing my little research for those little stats that I like to put in. So let's go to it. My uh, formation with the Tuchel lineup with the 3 4 2 1 is going to have Edward Mendy and Ned. I don't care what Kepa's done. Um, Tuchel came out and said that. Mendy still their number one, so I'm having him in goal. Left center back is going to be Rudiger. Middle center back is going to be Christensen. Right center back is going to be Asby. I do not have um, Zuma or Silva in this game. I agree with everything you have there. Mendy in goal, Christensen, Rudiger, and Asby along the back. But this game is interesting because obviously we have two days of rest and then we have a big game against Atletico. And then later in the week, we have a game against Manchester United. So it could be interesting to see if Tuchel kind of rotates some players out to give them rest for a tough uh, schedule. Because I think after Manchester United, we have Everton, maybe, which is another tough game. So we're going to have three games uh, back to back to back where we're playing really good sides. And we might need to give some players some rest this game against a Southern, uh, Southampton team that isn't as good to make sure everyone's fit for those three games. But I don't think I think the back is okay with not getting any rest. I could see Zuma coming in for maybe Christensen, but I don't think so. Mendy, Christensen, Rüdiger, Aspie along the back. 
So I have the exact same, except I see Aspie getting a rest. Like you mentioned, Peter, tough schedule coming up. I think Aspie sits this one out, um, and I think Zuma comes in for his place. I think this will mean Zuma goes in the center, center back role, and Christensen slots out to the right center back role. Um, At least this is my thought. I think that's what's going to happen if he decides to do that. But yeah, I have Aspie taking a break for this one. In the midfield at my right wing back, I have CHO because I think against Atletico, you're going to want someone a little bit better defensively. And I think you're going to see Reese James at right wing back in that game. So I think you'll see CHO this game. Uh, I'm in my left wing back role. I'm going to have Chilwell. I think we'll see Alonzo against um, Atletico. So I'm going to have Chilwell there at left wing back. And in the center of midfield, I'm going to have N'Golo Kante getting his first start in the Premier League for a while. Um, and alongside him, I know this is kind of a radical one. I don't know why. I feel like Tuchel may go all out rest, and I'm not really sure what he's going to do or what he's not going to do. So I'm going to put Billy Gilmore in there alongside N'Golo Kante. See what happens. Probably not going to happen. Just going to put it in there because this is kind of what I think. And, you know, Tuchel's been making some radical decisions, right? Obviously, Kepa and Net. So who knows? Maybe he'll make another one. I like the prediction, although I don't agree with it uh, in my lineup. I think we're going to have Kovacic and Jorginho, the main two that Fran- uh, Frank Lampard. Whoa, that's sad. Uh, just mentioned him in the all-decade team, and he's not the manager of the club anymore. Um, that Thomas Tuchel uh, mainly likes to go with, with Kovacic and Jorginho. And I think going to what you were saying, Alex, about Conte, I think we'll see him in the Champions League game. Uh, and, you know, flip-flop from what you were saying, how we might see like Jorginho and Kovacic in the Champions League game, I flipped that, and I think we'll see Conte in that game. Uh, and then left wing back is going to be Alonso. I think we see Chilwell in the Champions League game. And then right wing back is going to be CHO because I think we'll see Reese James. This is all basically just a preview to the Champions League game in this lineup. So, yeah, I have CHO at my right wing back spot. For me, I think Alonso will definitely get a rest. I think we'll see Ben Chilwell at the left wing back role. I think... Callum Matsunadoe will also get a rest. I think we'll see Reese James at the right wing back role. And then in the middle is where it gets tough. Because, like, I definitely, like all of you guys, I, I I think Conte will be there. I Like Alex, I think Conte will be there. I don't think... I Okay, I can't say I don't think because it depends on what Tuchel wants to do against Atletico. If he wants to have kind of a more attacking lineup, I mean, it is an away game, which he could want to go more attacking to get some away goals as a tiebreaker. So we could see, uh, I think Jorginho and Mateo Kovacic is a more attacking lineup than Conte and Kovacic or Conte and Jorginho, whoever. So I think if he wants to do that, then we could see Conte in this game. But if he wants to go more defensive, I could definitely see Conte and Jorginho playing against Atletico as the two midfield spots. But I think overall... He just loves Kovacic and Jorginho as a pairing that I think Conte will come in for. Kovacic, Kovacic will get a rest. So I think Conte, Jorginho will be the two center mids. So Bencho will on the left, Conte, Kovacic, uh, Conte and Jorginho in the center, Reese James on the right. And another interesting one about rest, will he go all out rest or will he not go all out rest? The front three. Obviously, striker. I think it has to be Olivier Giroud. I don't think Tammy Abraham will be fit in time for the game. And I don't think Timo Werner will play as uh, striker. So I think Giroud will definitely play at striker up top. And it gets more interesting for the wingers because will Timo Werner obviously just had a good game. 
will Tuchel want to try to build his confidence, or will he want to save him for the tough games coming up? And personally, I think he'll want to save him for the tougher games. So I think Christian Pulisic, who has obviously been on the bench, hasn't played for a while, even though Tuchel maintains that he's part of the lineup and he'll be a big part. I think Christian Pulisic will start as the left wing, left cam, whatever you want to call it. And I think Mason Mount, he'll also want to save for the big games coming up. So I think Christian Pulisic and Hagen Ziyech will be the two cams, wingers, whatever. Because they've obviously haven't had much, many chances for a while. They're going to want to come off the bench and press. It's against the Southampton, Southampton, Southampton team that hasn't been playing very well. So I think this would be their time to try to get back in the favor of Duku. And I think it's also a good time to rest everybody. I think Duku's going to go pretty much all out rest, even though I could, it since it is top four and this is our own, really only easy game for a while, I think we could see an all out lineup just to make sure we're solidified in the top four. Well, we can, well, we can still like, um, well, Liverpool is still struggling and try to get a, more ahead of them. But I think all out rest, Pulisic, Ziyech are as the three in the front three. Yeah, and you know, talking about all out rest and you know things like that. When you're looking at these teams that you know we're all saying, yes, we're resting a lot of players, but they're still very good teams that you know could definitely compete um, at a very high level. So I, I don't think this should be an issue. I don't think we should be dropping points at uh, Southampton, no matter what team is being put out there. And yeah, for me, my front three, I'm going to have Pulisic at the left wing, left cam, whatever you want to say. Ziesch in the right-hand side there. And up front, I'm going to have Timo Werner. I don't think Giroud, um, you know, gets to, he's going to be in Atletico game. Um, so I don't think he'll be seen here. Obviously also played a big part in the last game against Newcastle. So yeah, for me, I'm going to have Werner up top. I think he'll be playing, you know, Southampton are not as much of a sit-back team. So I think we could get them on the counter with Werner's pace. So yeah, I'm going to have uh, Timo Werner up front, and that is uh, my lineup. Something we didn't mention in this episode is actually Tammy Abraham's injury. Um, I don't think he'll be ready for this one to start. If he was you know, not injured, I would have him starting in this game. Copying Alex, I guess. Uh, Pulisic, Ziyech, uh, Werner. Front three. 2-0 win for Chelsea against Southampton. That's my score prediction. Yeah, for me, I'm going to go with a 1-0 victory. I think this is going to be tougher. I think Southampton, obviously they got smashed by Man United the other day, but I think they're still a solid team. It'll be difficult, especially if Tuchel is resting some players, but 1-0 win for Chelsea. Timo Werner goal, two in a row. Let's hope so. I think that it's going to be a 2-0 win, and I don't remember if I called my shots last time, but I, I probably didn't hit on them, but I'll do it again anyway. I think 2-0 win, and I think Olivier Giroud gets a goal. That's usually a guarantee. And I think Reese James gets a goal. Let's spice it up a bit. I think Reese James gets a goal in a 2-0 win. Wherever you're listening to this episode of Talking Blues, please subscribe, drop a five-star rating, and review mainly an Apple podcast. It really helps puts us on the charts for soccer podcast or football podcast um, here at Soccer Podcast in the U.S., uh, also, go follow us on Twitter at Talking Blues Pod. Go follow the Giant Take Podcast or the Giant Take Pod on Twitter as well. It's a New York Giants podcast or an NFL team. Alex and Peter. Uh, Alex is my host. Uh, Alex is my co-host. 
Peter has been on there before, had trouble getting that out, and the giant take on Instagram and Facebook as well. So we really appreciate it. If you check out both of our podcasts and support us, we would really appreciate that. We'll have an episode out next week, and we'll talk about that game, that Champions League game next week against Atletico. Stay tuned for it. We'll see you soon with another Talking Blues episode. Welcome to the All 80s Movies Podcast. I'm Bill. And I'm Jason. And this is the podcast where we talk about the blockbusters, the flops, and everything in between from one of the freshest decades for movies, the 1980s. So whether you're a brain, a jock, a valley girl, or a Jedi, we've got some 80s classics for you. Do these movies stand the test of time? Are we discovering something new? Is there an 80s movie we're finally watching for the first time? Join us each week as we dive into the cinematic nostalgia that inspired and influenced a generation. From the hits to the cult classics, we'll discuss our earliest memories, favorite scenes, fun facts, and our not-so-favorite movie moments, too. It's the All 80s Movies Podcast, now available on all major streaming platforms. Please subscribe and happy listening.